all kinds of activities. Of all kinds of knowledge. Of the functions of the mind. Such as determination and mental efforts. Of their respective objects. Krishna is the 
original Karma Dave, and that is especially manifest in the pastimes of Prajuna. So these are prayers by the goddess of fortune uh, to that very enchanting Lord who even attracts the Cupid of this material world. Uh, so her prayer, let me offer my respectful obeisances unto the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Lord Rishikesh, the controller of all my senses and the origin of everything. As the Supreme Master of all bodily, mental and intellectual activities, he is the only enjoyer of the results. The five sense objects and eleven senses, including the mind, are his partial manifestations. He supplies all the necessities of life, which are his energy, and thus not different from him, and he is the cause of everyone's bodily and mental powers, which is also not different from him. Indeed, he is the husband and provider of necessities for all living entities. The purpose of all the ways is to worship him. Therefore, let us all offer him our respectful obeisances. May he always be favourable toward us in this life and in the next. Report by Divine Grace A.C. Dr. Dante Swami In this verse, the word Mayamaya is further explained in regard to how the Lord expands his mercy in different ways. So, as we previously heard, Mayamaya refers um, to the, um, uh, the goddess of fortune. Spiritual, personified spiritual energy of the Lord, uh, and also um, how the Lord, through His spiritual energy, bestows His mercy upon the Lord, uh, upon the, uh, all the other living entities. So, Prabhupada goes on to explain: Parasya Shakti Rudeva Shuite. The energies of the Supreme Lord are understood in different ways. In this verse. He is described as the original source of everything, even our, our bodies, our body, senses, mind, activities, prowess, bodily strength, mental strength and determination for securing the necessities of life. Indeed, the Lord's energies can be perceived in everything. As stated in Bhagavad Gita 7.8, Rasoham Apsukuntaya, the taste of water is also Krishna. Krishna is the active principle of everything we need for our maintenance. So we see here in the Bhagavatam in the postgraduate, uh, the graduate understanding, uh, the postgraduate understanding, so we get further and further through the Bhagavatam uh, of the uh, topics of the Bhagavad Gita. So in the Bhagavad Gita we understand Krishna says, I am the taste of water. So those objects of the senses and the necessities of the living entities, uh, Krishna is the active principle of that. And this verse 
is expanding that um, very, very elaborately, our understanding. Um, and Prabhupada goes on to say, this verse offering respectful obeisances, and, and therefore, as you can see, if one struggles to understand Bhagavad Gita, well, I have <laughs> much greater ambiguity trying to understand the, um, uh, the Srimad Bhagavatam. Uh, though we're very fortunate because the way Srimad Prabhupada has compiled the Srimad Bhagavatam, you see practically every purport there is a, he, he, he uses the opportunity to, to uh, further enlightens in the uh, you know, fundamentals of the Bhagavad Gita. When I was a young boy, first year, because I, I read the Bhagavad Gita before coming to the movement several times, and then um, so I was very enchanted to read the Shema Bhagavatam from the very beginning, which I read um, all Prabhupada's books uh, in the first nine months. I've been in the But um, the devotees would say to me, you don't read the Gita. And then they would say, I guess the Gita is in there, and I would say, yes, you know, that um, if, if you read it the way Srila Prabhupada has written Srimad Bhagavatam, if you haven't understood the ABCs, he always reminds you of those essential principles. So, so therefore, we're very fortunate that sometimes we can distribute Krishna book, we can distribute Srimad Bhagavatam, but the way Prabhupada has written them is that he makes sure that the fundamentals are there. That is his expertise. So, and it's a very good, very important preaching technique. And it's one of the very important when we give class that. We should follow Prabhupada's principles and not uh, try to artificially impress people by just presenting some very, supposedly very advanced knowledge and what have you, and uh, you know, too quickly skip over the basics, because that's not Prabhupada's style, uh, that's not our style. Um, so there should be a nice balance, and that, that helps us to understand the uh, more advanced aspects. So then Prabhupada goes on to say, this verse, offering respectful obeisances unto the Lord, was composed by Rama, with a long name, Rama, yes. the goddess of fortune and is full of spiritual power. So we're going to feel that spiritual power. As they stay in the same Star Trek, may the power be with you. Or may the force be with you. May the spiritual force be with you. That's our point. Under the guidance of a spiritual master, everyone should chant this mantra and thus become a complete and perfect devotee of the Lord. One may chant this mantra for complete liberation from material bondage and, after liberation, one may continue to chant it while worshipping the Supreme Lord in Vaikuntha Loka. So there's two aspects 
of this verse, uh, which we're going to look at. Also today is the discipline cycle of the Swami, and which is very pertinent. Uh, there's some nice discussions related to uh, his family, and we're going to look at those as well in order to discuss some of the spiritual uh, aspects of this verse as well. Um, so, all mantras, of course, are meant for this life and the next life, as Krishna himself confirms in Bhagavad Gita 9.14, Sadatam Kityantam Mam Yitantascha Vithavrata Always chanting my glories, endeavouring with great determination, bowing down before me, the great souls perpetually worship me with devotion. A devotee who both in this life and the next chants the Maha Mantra or any mantra is called Nitya Yukto Vasaka. So yukta, of course, is that uh, everything is uh, being offered to the Lord. Uppasaka. Uh, everything is being utilized uh, eternally to worship the Lord uh, while uh, engaged in glorifying the Lord uh, with uh, beautiful kirtan and mantras. So, I'm going to learn this So these, um, so we uh, discussed how on these leapers, different principal uh, expansions of the Lord for being worshipped, including the Chattabuha. Chattabuha is um, Vasudev, so Lord Narayan expands as for pastime, uh, you know, for the purpose of his pastimes, pastime expansions as Vasudev, the presiding deity of consciousness, Sankrishan, the presiding deity of ego or identity, and Prajuna, the presiding deity of the intelligence and senses, Here, 
goddess of fortune, Rama, the uh, spiritual energy of the Supreme Lord. She is uh, worshipping the, uh, she is presenting this mantra which can be utilized by those on this um, particular section, Ketamula uh, Vasa, where they worship the deity of Prajuna. And uh, those, uh, just as we worship the deity of Krishna, we worship the deity in his form in a temple. Uh, so, Prajuna or Kamadev has a human like form. Oh, well, uh, but uh, whether he's there with four arms, uh, which is likely, um, as far as I understand. Um, but uh, we know that Prajunda also appeared in Krishna's pastimes in the two arm form, as Krishna's son. But um, in Vaikuntha, uh, most likely he would have been there in forearm form. But he has a form with uh, transcendental senses, the transcendental mind, uh, and intelligence. But the transcendental mind, form, uh, and intelligence and senses of the Lord are absolute. They're non-different. So the mind of the Lord his intelligence, his form is not different from that person uh, and his form, they are absolute. Uh, it is not like here in this world, therefore, whenever the Lord appears in this world, he appears in exactly the same form. So if he appears as Krishna, Krishna's form is exactly the same to the peacock, better than to her. Hands holding the and uh, first he appears in his uh, forehand form to Mother Devaki to reveal that he is the personality of Godhead, and then he assumes his uh, you know, the Balakrishna form, and then gradually he manifests his uh, eternal form, the Shamsundra. So, but whenever Krishna appears, uh, he doesn't appear in, you know, with two heads or forehead or anything like that, and always that beautiful form of Krishna. Whenever Ram appears, he appears in exactly that same form as Ram at that. So those forms are eternal. Whereas uh, the when we uh, take birth in this world, we actually get a material body with material senses, and as described in the 15th chapter, each birth, we get a new set. Here's your kit. You know, the eye, ears, nose, you know, working senses, arms, legs, you get a new set every night, which is completely different from the last set. So uh, so we are so we are the same person, we're a spirit soul eternal, but we keep getting new sets of, of, of body, mind, etc., which are different from us. But the soul also has an original spiritual form, which when we become liberated, we go back to the spiritual world, that 
spiritual form again uh, manifest. So, um, so the Lord is a person with uh, spiritual form and senses, and we are a person uh, with spiritual form and senses, but we are presently we, we've forgotten that spiritual form and we are covered by this material body. To understand the even the that the spirit soul has senses is very difficult to understand. If one can understand that, then that is a very important stepping stone to understand that the Supreme Lord also has a form and senses. That is, and that is introduced uh, uh, in, even in the uh, by Patanjali in the Yoga Sutras. Uh, because the yogis meditate, and generally they meditate on something void or impersonal, and they try to shut down the senses. But the Patanjali process is just shut down the material senses, but enlighten the spiritual senses in contact by meditating upon the super soul within the heart. And, um, you see that uh, that is mentioned in verses 20 to 23 uh, of the Bhagavad Gita, chapter 6. That in the stage of perfection called trance or samadhi, one's mind is completely restrained from material mental activities by practice of yoga. This perfection is characterized by one's ability to see the self, and that's the self with a capital S, in other words, one's ability. One's ability to see one's own self is dependent upon seeing one's self as part and parcel of the Supreme Self. Otherwise, otherwise uh, one cannot properly see oneself. And of course, therefore, and we are, um, let's say, part and parcel of the Lord, we have all the qualities of the Lord. So He has a form and senses, and we have a form and senses. So this perfection is characterized by one's ability to see the self by the pure mind, not the, not, the, not the material mind, and to relish and rejoice in that self. In that joyous state one is situated in boundless transcendental happiness realized through transcendental senses. So the, uh, uh, not the material senses, they've all been shut down by the yoga process and the material mind, but the spiritual senses. Established thus, one never departs from the truth, and upon gaining this, he thinks there is no greater gain. Being situated in such a position, one is never shaken, even in the midst of the greatest difficulty. This indeed is actual freedom from all miseries arising from material contact. So, Srila Prabhupada explains this that. Um, So yoga practice is more or less based on the principles of the Patanjali system. Some unauthorized commentators try to identify the individual soul with the super soul. And the modest think this is to be liberation, but they do not understand the real purpose of the Patanjali system of yoga. So what is the reason, I'll answer this question, why most people who contemplate 
spiritual spirituality. Um, consider one to be ourself to be one or the same as the Supreme. What is the reason? I'll give you a hint. It's because of the descriptions of the Supreme. Why do they not understand that? I missed the good sense. What's that? I missed the good sense. Why is it common that everyone, without exception, if they don't have a spiritual master, that they will naturally identify that they are one with the Supreme? So, like, they're not trained to be certain? They like the thought that they're God. <laughs> they're one with God. That, that is, yeah, that is the reason why they'll accept uh, misconception. But there's a, but there, there are, basically, it's because the Supreme is described as everything. And because the Supreme is everything, uh, He is all pervading. How can He be a person? And if we're one with the Supreme, how can we be a person? Mm-hmm. So it's because it's all pervaded. Now, in this verse we're discussing today, it's describing how Prabhupada is not different from all our senses. And most people are going to read that and understand, oh, well, therefore God's definitely impersonal. <laughs> but there, Worshipping that birth, and, and generally, as Prabhupada describes in, in the Gita, um, those who accept everything impersonally, when they offer mantras or any service to the deity or to the Lord in devotional service, it is time serving devotional service. Means I will, I have to, I may have to, you know, do this for some time. And then I can give it up and I become liberated. So it's time to, there's no real devotion. But they call it bhakti. But for them, bhakti, so quite often, you know, you see, like in the Satchanarayan uh, worship, uh, there's no, the, the, the concept of uh, that God is personal and impersonal. Uh, is not really clarified. Uh, even though worship Satya Narayan, they're asking for the material necessities of life or liberation and they worship him with bhakti. But that's time-serving bhakti. It's not the bhakti, it's not pure uh, <coughs> So. Um, so it says there is an acceptance of transcendental pleasure in the Patanjali system. But the monists do not accept this transcendental pleasure out of fear of jeopardizing the theory of oneness, so that fear principle. So, as Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, one understands my activities and 
my, my birth, appearance, um, you know, then one can uh, attain my transcendental abode. To do that, one has to develop love for God, and to develop love for God, one has to give up attachment to material things, doing everything for our own sense gratification, without a connection with the Supreme, and we have to give up our fear of having senses, that by having senses, somehow we're going to jeopardize <coughs> becoming one uh, where there is, uh, there is no uh, uh, question of senses, mind, personalities, form, none of that exists on the universal platform. So, uh, out of fear of that, uh, it stops them from actually performing real bhakti and, and uh, developing the love of God. Uh, so, so, that fear of jeopardizing the theory of oneness. So when, you know, when, um, when we read these verses, we get a great transcendental bliss by you know, reading about the transcendental senses of the Lord and our, you know, we have a spiritual form. For the uh, impersonalists, they read these verses with a little trepidation, okay, oh, I have to, you know, it's, Purification there, but I'm really going to throw this away as soon as you know, I make some real invention. And that is uh, the fear in, in their mind. Um, the duality of knowledge in Noah is not accepted by the monist. But in this first transcendental pleasure, realized through, material, through transcendental senses, is accepted. And this is corroborated by Patanjali Muni, the famous exponent of the yoga system. The great sage declares in his Yoga Sutras 4.34 Kurushaka Sunyanam Gunanam Padipashtavaha Kaivalyam Surupam Padishta Vachiti Shakti Iti This Chiti Shakti or internal potency is transcendental. Purushaka means material religiosity economic development, sense gratification, and, at the end, the attempt to become one with the Supreme. This oneness with the Supreme is called Kaivalya by the monast. But according to Patanjali, this Kaivalya is an internal or transcendental Potency by which the living entity becomes aware of his constitutional position. So everything that happens on the material platform or to become liberated or everything that happens on the liberated platform happens because the essence of anything that can happen or exist is literally the Supreme Lord's energy itself. Even so therefore Kaivalyam is also one of the energies of the Lord, the transcendental energies of the Lord, uh, by the arrangement of the uh, spiritual energy of the Lord, that is uh, spiritual potency, one can attain liberation, which is described here. In the words of the uh, um, in, in the words of Lord Chaitanya, this state of affairs is called Chaitanya or clearance of the impure mirror of the mind. 
So we have the, you know, um, we don't disagree with the Patanjali. We're actually in agreement. It's just that the followers of Patanjali, as Prabhupada says, the followers always bungle everything. <laughs> And it says, this clearance is actually liberation for Baba Maha Dabhagni Nirvana. The theory of Nirvana, also preliminary, corresponds with this principle. In the Bhagavatam 2.10.6, this is called Sarupena Vivastiti. The Bhagavad Gita also confirms this situation in this verse. After Nirvana, or material cessation, there is the manifestation of spiritual activities, and of course spiritual activities means we must have spiritual senses and a spiritual mind, and, and uh, or devotional service to the Lord, so we are different from the Lord, known as Krishna consciousness. In the words of Bhagavatam, Surupina Vivastiti, this is the real life of the living entity. Maya, and as we know, uh, that same verse is Shishastra, when it says by chanting that, especially the Maha Mantra, then uh, that uh, spiritual life uh, becomes a reality. Uh, liberation from this material affection does not mean destruction of one's original, eternal position of the living entity. Patanjali also accepts this by his words Kaivalyam Sulupa Patishta Vachiti Shakti Iti. This Chiti Shakti or transcendental pleasure is real life. This is confirmed in the Vedanta Sutra 1.1.12 as Ananda Mayobhyasat. This natural transcendental pleasure is the ultimate goal of yoga and is easily achieved by execution of devotional service or bhakti yoga. Bhakti yoga will be vividly described in the seven chapters of the Bhagavad Gita. So uh, there we see uh, the Bhagavad Gita giving the fundamental understanding. And if people cannot understand the Bhagavad Gita, they will not understand uh, anything of Panjali or, or any, any process. Uh, as Krishna says in the Gita, that there are many processes, many aspects of yoga, from karma yoga to jnana yoga to stamba yoga, whereby one connects with the Supreme. And if one doesn't have a spiritual master, one will not do any of them successfully. Therefore, he says, uh, approach to this master, regardless of who you are. That is for everyone. Every human being must take the spiritual master. So, um, therefore, this uh, bhakti yoga, and so just, uh, in fact, uh, it can be easily done by bhakti yoga, but actually it can only be done by bhakti yoga. And that's mentioned that in Bhagavad Gita 9 for instance, this uh, verse from Bhakti Vasamri to Sindhya, Tasri Krishna Namadi Nabadeh Krahamindriya Seva Loka Hijibhito Svayami Vasvarachita Lord Krishna's name, fame, form, pastimes, etc. 
cannot be understood by material senses. Only to one who is engaged in pure devotional service under proper guidance, spiritual master, is he revealed. In the, in the Brahma Samhita 538 it is stated, Bhakti One can see the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Govinda, always within himself and outside himself if one has developed a transcendental attitude towards him. Thus, for people in general, he is not visible. So this verse, of course, is describing that the, the, the verse that, that's quoted in Krishna says, by me, in my unmanifested form, that I am, uh, this entire universe is pervading, so the Lord is all pervading. All beings are in me, but I am not in them. So therefore the Lord is all pervading by his energy. Everything exists within the Supreme, who is everything and all pervading. But they can't understand that, therefore they think that he is in person, being all pervading. Uh, but he's saying in these verses of the Gita that still uh, we see in the um, uh, in that next verse he says, and yet everything that is created is not resting in me. Behold my mystic opulence. Although I am the maintainer of all living entities, as we've heard in today's verse, and although I am everywhere, I am not a part of this cosmic manifestation, for myself is the very source of creation. So the personal form of Krishna, as Krishna showed in the battlefield of Kurukshetra when he revealed to Arjun saw in the form of Krishna the whole universe, the all-pervading universe was situated within the form of Krishna. And Mother showed her also, she looked into the mouth of Krishna and she saw, oh, everything is there. So Krishna states very clearly, yes, by my energies I'm all-pervading, but I am the source of that all-pervading manifestation of all the living entities, of all the senses of minds and activities and determinations and so on. I'm the source of that, the person. Um, and as he describes further that everything rests upon him, rests within him. Resting within the Lord means that it rests within his will. There's, there's um,
basically, well, here, from the Changongya Upanishad, Eka Bahushan, I am one, one person, the person Krishna, from whom everything is coming. It says, although I am one, I shall become many. So the Lord is one with his own personal form and senses, that he becomes unlimited other people in the material and spiritual world with their own other spiritual forms in the spiritual world, material forms in the material world. He becomes many. So although he's one, he becomes many. Again, very hard for people to understand. He becomes many. And happen to make one. But that is the inconceivable purpose of the Lord. God is always inconceivable. If we don't accept the fact that the Lord is inconceivable, that was one of the, you know, um, I remember the first day I came to the Holy Christian Temple. And they said, well, you can stay the night. And I stayed the night. And they gave me some beers. And they said, change the Holy Christian. Chant, and, you know, I had read something about it. So you chant Hare Krishna, and uh, you know you 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 make progress to understand Krishna, supreme personality. So the thought, so I'm standing there, you know, my um, flared jeans, a long hair, hippie, straight off the street. <laughs> and I'm thinking. The one thought I still remember this day. If God exists, He's got these inconceivable kindnesses. If they say you chant Hare Krishna and those inconceivable purposes will liberate you, then why should I not accept it? I still remember that thought. You know, it's, it's a basic understanding of God. So first I first real thought, the basic understanding of God is that He's Inconceivable. Anything he wants to do. Even the kid understands that. Oh, God, I will do anything, get anything I want. Right? But then we become philosophers. Oh, no, God can't do this, he can't do that, he's limited by this, he's limited by so many things. And you know, God. <laughs> so, um, therefore, and his uh, form and his mind, being spiritual, are one. And therefore, looking for that verse, another verse in their Vedic Mantra, that his uh, will becomes actual fact by his multifarious potencies, as mentioned here, Parasha Shakti Vividaya Sruti, that if the Lord thinks something, He, he doesn't have to you know, do this hard work like um, you know, the picture of Atlas where you know, he's a strong man holding the whole world in his shoulders like that. His mind is not different from him, not different from his activities. That if he thinks something and wills it to be, it's an actual fact and his energies immediately manifest it. Just like material creation, there's no slow evolution. Even the Bible says, how many days does it take God to, in the Bible to make the world? 
Yeah, doesn't sound like evolution to me. <laughs> it's seven days in God's time. Seven days in God's time. Just a moment. So, <clears throat> but uh, we we understand within one breath of Mahavishnu. So <clears throat> um, he wills it. It becomes an actual fact. There is creation. He creates the material energy with the different components as described here, the different senses, the different sense objects. All of that is there. Literally, there's, um, uh, he creates the material energy and divides it into 16 components which is capable of providing for the entire duration of the universe senses appropriate to fulfill each and every spirit soul's material desires for the whole course of and that is it from the very beginning. And that's what we see with this universe. So that, that is the thing that you know the evolutionists don't understand. Oh, evolution. If there's an evolution, but then who provi who's providing the new set of senses for the evolved, new evolved creature? Where did they come from? The creature didn't make them. So that again comes back to they were there from the very beginning. And um, so, <clears throat> whichever way you look at it, uh, there is a, a divine plan of this material world to perfectly uh, provide uh, you know, the sense, senses for each and every living entity according to their particular desires and necessities. And you see that, you know, where a particular living entity, their constitution, is that they need to eat a certain thing because that's the type of body they've got. They can't eat any other thing. And yet somehow or another, miraculously, they have the exact senses that can get that thing that they want and no one else can get it. Except that particular living entity. So the particular objects which are required by particular senses, um, the senses are perfectly designed. How is it the material energy can just, you know, give these perfect senses, uh, like the lotus, the lotus sits on top of the uh, water without it becoming wet. The scientists, are, you know, marvel that they want to, you know, use that technology for their submarines and, uh, you know, things to create things that don't get wet, but they can't do it. They always have to hold water. Water ruins everything. We've got our tunnel what was leaving. So, um, so here, um, Krishna explains that uh, he is, uh, by his, uh, everything is resting on the Lord's, uh, within the Lord's will, within his mind, uh, and when the Lord thinks of something, his potencies immediately, uh, you know, fulfill that, but he remains in his eternal form, which is not different from his mind and senses. So, uh, therefore, uh, the Lord is definitely a person. Always, that is the, the principal understanding of, this, of the, um, the source of everything. This plain personality of God is a person. His, per his uh, form is not material like ours. 
But although he creates all the senses, one may think, if there is a Supreme Lord who is all good, why is he creating the senses for all these living entities? You know, the dogs are biting me, and the mosquitoes are giving me trouble, people are committing crime, you know, there's murderers, and rapists, and thieves. God has created all their senses and their intelligence and their ability. He is everything. It's all His fault. So the interesting thing about materialism is that if something really goes right, it's definitely my, my, that that's my credit. If something goes wrong, it's definitely God's fault. <laughs> you never hear them. So, praise him. So, but then the question is, so, karma day, of course, here, then we come to the question that we have these material senses and in general, in this world, because people don't understand that those senses are in fact an expansion of the Lord by way of his energies that they are meant for his pleasure. And therefore one should engage in devotional service and if one does engage in devotional service the Lord will reveal himself and ourself, our, our own spiritual nature and take us back to the spiritual world. So all activities in this material world are basically sense gratification. Even Purushartha. And that is described in the um, Adilila, uh, chapter um, 4, text number 165. Can someone get that for me? Adilila 4, 165. Now, in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna is saying that why is it that the living entity is induced to commit acts of sense gratification? But sinful activity of the cause harm to others. In other words, is it the super soul? If there's a Vishnu, is the Lord the controller and maintainer of all things and all the demigods? Is the Lord Himself causing everything? Because He's everything, is it He who is causing us, me, to do these bad things? As they say, well, the devil made me do it. Now, someone else again. Something goes really bad off the devil. <laughs> so the God of the devil. But there's someone to blame. So, um, but actually, Krishna said no. One has a desire for sense gratification, which means lust, in one form or another disguised in one way or another that it is lust that actually makes a living entity use their senses for these things even though everything is actually controlled by the Lord Rishikesha, he's the Lord of the senses, he's the master no one can do anything without his will oh then he must be making me do this so in that purpose, so in this purpose uh, I read uh, 4.165 
The desire to gratify one's own senses is karma, lust. Karma. But the desire to please the senses of Lord Krishna is prima or love. Now, in the purple, um, it describes here that the author of Shaitanya Charitamrita asserts with authority that sexual love is a matter of personal sense enjoyment. All the regular principles of the Vedas pertaining to desires for popularity, fatherhood, wealth and so on are different phases of sense gratification. Acts of sense gratification may be performed under the cover of public welfare, nationalism. Previously we just had a protest to end COVID, so two days before the COVID is about to end anyway. <laughs> They're going to go out of protest. Oh, I know, but it's already going to end. Well, no, it's going to end in two days. Oh, this kind of Oh, while we're out here, let's smash things and punch the police horses in the face and spit <laughs> <laughs> on people and attack the photographers and, you know, in, in, the, in, the, name of, in the name of freedom. That's where we catch Nationalism, religion, altruism, ethical codes, Biblical codes, health directives, freedom action, bashfulness, tolerance, personal comfort, liberation from material bondage, progress, all in the name of progress, uh, family affection or fear of social ostracism or legal punishment, but all these categories are different subdivisions of one substance, sense gratification. All good acts are performed basically for one's own sense gratification, for no one can sacrifice his personal interest while discharging these much advertised moral and religious principles. So the basic principle in the material world, you see, it doesn't matter who is doing what on some noble cause, there is some personal self-interest within that. You know, undoubtedly, there is an element of looking after the benefit of others, but there's an element of self-interest, and if that self-interest is completely obstructed, then quite often those other activities come to an end. Even though they may be just a little, even though they're doing a lot for others, but if that, you know, mo motivation where they're getting, you know, some personal sense verification, if that stops completely, then everything else stops. So, um, therefore, Krishna says, no, it's not just it's not Vishnu, Krishikesh, the Lord in the heart, uh, Prajumna, Karmada, the presiding deity in the senses. It is our own particular desire to act without any sense of what is in harmony or pleasing to the Supreme, but just simply, literally, to rebel against the Supreme and act against the wishes of the Supreme and do something for ourself uh, under the guise of so many things and is literally just a self-interested, selfish act in the material world. So, but otherwise, devotional service is acts done just for the pleasure of the Lord. <coughs> so, um, you know, therefore, see that, uh, again, mentioned in the, Prabhupada mentions in the Bhagavad Gita that 
not a blade of grass moves without the will of the Lord. But that has to be understood because even a blade of grass has the senses. A, a blade of grass cannot act as a blade of grass unless that particular set of senses was given to it to act in a certain way and act in such a way you know that blade of grass can draw the energy of the sun for the benefit of the whole world and the trees like that um, but that is the arrangement of the Lord by which you can do it therefore without the will of the Lord no one can do anything but that doesn't mean that but the Lord is still neutral that he is actually, his position is, I would rather everyone stop their sense gratification and chill and just come straight back to the spiritual world. But if you, you want to stay there, the sense gratification, then I'll give you the body. Um, but once you've got that body, there's a whole chain of reactions and that's, you have to, I'm neutral to that. I didn't cause you trouble. All your happiness. So the Lord is mutual. So, um, now, I will, what I'd like to do is then look at uh, a little bit more, just quickly, as it describes here. So that, that explains the material side of things, but also explains how we do have spiritual senses, and the Lord has spiritual and that by devotional service, our, our material senses become cleansed away, purified, or spiritualized, Krishnaized, as Prabhupada says, and our spiritual senses uh, gradually awaken and, and experience transcendental bliss in relationship to the person of Godhead. And here we see that um, uh, Lakshmi. saying that um, the purpose of the Vedas is to worship him, let us all offer him our respectful obeisances, may he always be favourable toward us in this life and the next. So let us do those activities of devotional service to please the Lord and while we're dedicating everything to the Lord because he is the proprietor of everyone's mind and senses in this world and in the spiritual world, therefore we should uh, worship him, dedicate everything for his pleasure, and by that we achieve the ultimate uh, spiritual abode. So these are the prayers of uh, Lakshmi. And um, now I want to read uh, a little. Uh, so now on the spiritual platform, the, um, there are different realms, there is Vaikuntha and then there is Goloka Vrindavan. Generally devotees, you um, become purified, completely purified and 
by some blessing from engaging in devotional service and blessing the devotees, they can go back to Vakunta Loka. They will accept that liberation. But devotees, um, they don't even have a personal desire for liberation, as mentioned in the prayers of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. The residents of the spiritual world, they're aware of the transcend, eternal transcendental pleasure by constantly being in the association of the Lord, and they love the Supreme Lord. They have no, there's no, uh, they only act for the pleasure of the Lord, and within that, they uh, experience uh, transcendental pleasure always, eternally, they're always chanting the glories of the Lord. But a devotee, a, a, a more elevated devotee, uh, is not even interested in uh, perceiving their own spiritual pleasure in the spiritual world. Uh, that is not a, um, a factor, that, that is not something. And, and that begins to manifest in Goloka Vrindavan, in Dwarka, to a certain extent, and Mathura, and then uh, in the local Vrindavan, uh, everyone there only has a concept of Krishna's happiness. But when Krishna becomes happy by their exalted emotional service, that happiness uh, cannot be achieved even in Vakuntaloka. And the topmost amongst them is, of course, the Gopis of Vrindavan. And uh, even the other residents of Vrindavan glorify the Gopis that when it comes to just, uh, you know, intensely uh, being oblivious to one's own uh, happiness on any level and only ever thinking of what is uh, the happiness of Krishna, Discomfort and stress. There is no comparison to the Gopis Vrindavan. Even on the spiritual platform, there is still uh, there is perfect, more perfect, and uh, most perfect. And of course, you know that is mentioned to some degree uh, in the Uchula Nilamani money by Zarupikas. Uh, uh, that uh, you know, he describes that. Um, Sadharani is love for Krishna characterized by the desire to satisfy one's own senses through satisfying the senses of Krishna. Uh, and it is not a very intense form of love. The example of this type of love is sculpture. We won't go into that though. And Samanjasa is the love of dwarfless queens and is characterized, uh, its characteristic is the desire to enjoy happiness awakened by satisfying Krishna's senses. This love is very strong and is only slightly weakened by obstacles on its path. Uh, slightly weakened uh, means that um, they may become aware that it's just like um, that um, uh, 
sense that the gopis have that no matter what Krishna does to them, <laughs> they, uh, their love is not disturbed or shaken or rattled. And sometimes even Krishna teases his queens. <laughs> it rattles them a little bit. Anyway, Samatha's love of the gopis and his characteristic is that the lover only desires to make Krishna happy. With no consideration of one's own happiness, this love is never interrupted or diminished. And of course, uh, and this analysis of the degree of selflessness and surrender, which is based upon the definition of love given in Adilila, chapter 4, 165, reveals the love of the gopis or samadhavati to be supreme. So, uh, to understand, but now one may then think, is the love of Lakshmi in Pupya to Radharani. That's the point we want to discuss <laughs> in that five minutes. So, I'm just going to read something. So, as you see, that because we have transcendental senses in the spiritual world, but there are different uh, levels of ecstatic um, you know, uh, ecstasy due to one's level of love or bhakti or devotion to the Lord. So the bhakti is everything from the beginning to the end and the purer and the greater the love, uh, the happier is Krishna and the happier is Krishna, the happier we are. And that, and that is the secret. Uh, so, I'll read this, pass on this. Because um, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he went and met Gopalabhata Goswami's father. Now, just let you know that Gopalabhata Goswami is, uh, according to Gauragandhasya um, Deepika, is Ananda, Ananda Manjari, who is the younger sister of Radharani. It's his discipline, isn't it? And, um, but he was in the Sri Sankara, but they worshipped Lakshmi. But he changed. But therefore, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had this conversation. You know, we're not criticizing Lakshmi. Um, she is the son of Radha. Radha expands as the queen. It is her expansion that expands as, as the gopis, as the queen, as the dwarves, and as Lakshmi. Therefore, in that sense, um, uh, she is, uh, you know, uh, that is, um, Lakshmi uh, experiencing uh, the sweetest um, loving pastimes with her husband uh, through her. So, uh, but in some cases she's also mentioned as Guru Manjari. Anyway, I'm going to just quickly read this uh, pastime, which helps us to understand. <coughs> this is from the, uh, the conversation with uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Vinkadabhata, who is the father of Gopalabhata uh, um, Goswami. And it's from Majjali chapter 9, starting with verse 79. After visiting the holy place named Shiva Shetra, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu arrived at uh, Papasana, uh, 
Papandasana, and there saw the temple of Lord Vishnu. Then he finally reached the Ranga Chetra. After bathing in the river Kaveri, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu saw the temple of Ranganath and offered his ardent prayers and obeisances, and thus he found himself successful. In the temple of Ranganath, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu chanted and danced in ecstatic love for Godhead. Seeing his performance, everyone was struck with wonder. One Vaishnava, known as Venkatabhata, then invited Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to his home with great respect. Sri Venkatabhata took Sri Chaitanya to his home. After he washed the Lord's feet, all the members of his family drank the water. After offering lunch to the Lord, <coughs> Venkatabhata submitted that the pure Chaitanya had already arrived. Venkatabhata said, Please be merciful to me and stay at my house during Chaitanya So that's what we're coming up to now. Speak about Lord Krishna's pastimes and kindly deliver me by your mercy. And this is this is the main thing that devotees do during Chaitanya is they increase their hearing and chanting. When does that start? When does that start? Before the finish. When did this start? So Chaitanya. Uh, so and, and he, so there's a nice verse by Lakshmi that uh, you know always be chanting, uh, especially in Chaitanya. That's that's the main thing that you're hearing. Chanting. And if you hear and chant, uh, then uh, you know, some people criticize the Hare Krishna because they don't follow all the different aspects. Sometimes they get married during Chaitabhasha and quite happy. But because everything is uh, you know, uh, a dedication to the Lord in loving devotion and accompanied by the hearing and chanting, there is no fault. Because the purpose is love of God. Um, so, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu remained at the house of India about four continuous months. The Lord passed his days in great happiness, enjoying the transcendental the of discussing Lord Krishna's pastimes. While there, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took his bath in the river Kaveri and visited the temple uh, of Sri Ramana. Every day, the Lord also danced in ecstasy. The beauty of Lord Chaitanya's body and his ecstatic love of God were witnessed by everyone. Many people used to come to see him, and as soon as they saw him, all their unhappiness and distress vanished. Many hundreds of thousands of people from various countries came to see the Lord, and after seeing him, they all chanted the Hare Krishna Mahamantra. Indeed, they did not chant anything but the Hare Krishna Mahamantra, and all of them become Lord Krishna's devotees. Thus, the general populace was astonished. All the Vaishnava Brahmins residing in Sri Ramakrishna invited the Lord to the homes every day. Each day, the Lord was invited by a different Brahmana, but some of them did not get the opportunity to offer him lunch because the Chattamasa period uh, came to an end. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu remained at the house of Venkatabhata and constantly talked about Lord Krishna. In this way, he was very happy. Being a Vaishnava in the Ramanuja Sampradaya, Venkatabhata worshipped the deity of Lakshmi and Narayana. Seeing his pure devotion, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was very satisfied. Constantly associating with one another, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Venkatabhata gradually develop a friendly relationship. Indeed, sometimes they laugh and joke together. Now, at this point, Gopalabhata Goswami is here and he had some dreams where Lord Chaitanya allowed him to enter into all the pastimes of the Lord before taking sannyas and he envisioned that plus many other. So although he was a young child, uh, the Lord being in his home blessed him with all these wonderful spiritual visions of the spiritual world and the Lord's activities. So, 
So I hear these, the father and Chaitanya joking together. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu told Bhattacharya, your worshipful goddess of fortune, Lakshmi, always remains on the chest of the rain, and she is certainly the chastest woman in the creation. However, my Lord is Lord Sri Krishna, a cowherd boy who is engaged in tending cows. Why is it that Lakshmi, being such a chaste wife, wants to associate with my Lord? Just to associate with Krishna, Lakshmi abandoned all transcendental happiness in Vaikuntha and for a long time accepted vows of regular principles and performed unlimited austerities. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, O oh Lord, we do not know how the serpent. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu then said, so he's quoting the verse from Bhagavad Gita, O oh Lord, we do not know how the serpent Kali attained such an opportunity to be touched by the dust of the lotus feet. Even the goddess of fortune for this end performed austerities for centuries, giving up all other desires and taking austere vows. Indeed, we do not know how the serpent Kalia got such an opportunity. Venkatabhadra then said, Lord Krishna and Lord Narayan are one and the same, but the pastimes of Krishna are more relishable due to their sportive nature. Sri Krishna and Narayan are both the same personality. Lakshmi's association with Krishna does not break her vow of chastity. Rather, it was in great fun that the goddess of fortune wanted to associate with Lord Krishna. So, as Prabhupada mentions, in other words, uh, it is understandable that a chaste woman wants to associate with her husband in all his different dresses, and therefore one should not criticize Lakshmi for wanting to associate with Krishna. Venkatabhadra continued, According to transcendental realization, there is no difference between the forms of Narayan and Krishna, yet in Krishna there is a special transcendental attraction due to the conjugal mellow, and consequently he surpasses Narayan. This is the conclusion of transcendental mellows. And that verse uh, really does want included in this book through somebody descended. He goes on to say, the goddess of fortune considered that her vow of chastity would not be damaged by her relationship with Krishna. Rather, by associating with Krishna, she could enjoy the benefit of the Rasa dance. Then the Buck further explained, by the Lakshmi, the goddess of fortune is also an enjoyer of transcendental bliss. Therefore, if she wanted to enjoy herself with Krishna, what fault is there? Why are you joking so about this? So here we see that we've discussed uh, the senses in the material world for sense gratification. Look at the pastimes of even Mother Lakshmi and, and uh, the residents of the spiritual world with their transcendental senses, how they're enjoying uh, you know, playful uh, transcendental activities with their transcendental senses, enjoying unlimited bliss. So this is the other side of it. Um, and, and as it says here, that's why these activities, they don't stop in the liberated platform, they continue. So, uh, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu replied, I know that there is no fault on the part of the goddess of fortune, but still she could not enter into the Rasa dance. We hear this from the revealed scriptures. And he quotes Bhagavatam 1047 16. When Lord Krishna was dancing with the gopis in the Rasa Lila, he put his arms around their necks and embraced them. 
This transcendental favor was never granted to the goddess of fortune or other consorts in the spiritual world. Nor was such a thing ever imagined by the most beautiful girls from the heavenly planets. Girls whose bodily luster and aroma exactly resemble lotus flowers. And what to speak of worldly women who may be very, very beautiful by material estimation. But can you tell me why the goddess of fortune Lakshmi could not enter the Rasa dance? The authorities on Vedic knowledge could enter the dance and associate with Krishna. Great sage, and, and so he said, some could. Vedic scholars could enter in, but not Lakshmi. Uh, and he, he quotes uh, this verse uh, from Bhagavatam uh, 10, 87, 23. Great sages, by practicing the mystic yoga system and controlling the breath, conquer the mind and senses, thus engaging in mystic yoga and seeing the super soul within their hearts, they ultimately enter into impersonal Brahman, along with the enemies of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. However, the dancers of Raja, the gopis, want to embrace Krishna and his arms, which are like serpents. Being attracted by the beauty of Krishna, the gopis ultimately tasted the nectar of the lotus feet of the Lord. The Upanishads have also tasted the nectar of his lotus feet by following in the footsteps of the gopis. Having been asked by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu why the goddess of fortune could not enter into the Rasa dance, whereas the authorities on Vedic knowledge could, Venkatabhadu replied, I cannot enter into the mysteries of this behavior. Venkatabhadu then admitted, I am an ordinary human being. Since my intelligence is very limited and I am easily agitated, my mind cannot enter within the deep ocean of the past times of the Lord. You are the Supreme Person out of God here, Krishna himself. You know the purpose of your activities and the person whom you enlighten can also understand your pastimes. So if we perform devotional service, the Lord, either within the heart, through the spiritual master, through the shastras, or personally, uh, will enlighten uh, us in, uh, and reveal the entire spiritual spectrum to us. The Lord replied, Lord Krishna has a specific characteristic. He attracts everyone's heart by the mellow of his personal uh, conjugal love. By following in the footsteps of the inhabitants of the planet known as Brajaloka or Goloka Vrindavan, one can attain the shelter of the lotus feet of Sri Krishna. However, in that planet the inhabitants do not know that Lord Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. There, someone may accept him as a son and sometimes bind him to a grinding water. Someone else may accept him as an intimate friend and attaining victory over him, playfully mount his shoulders. The inhabitants of Rajabhumi know Krishna as the son of Maharaj Nanda, the king of Rajabhumi, and they consider that there can be no relationship with the Lord in the Rasa of opulence. One who worships the Lord by following in the footsteps of the inhabitants of Rajabhumi attains the Lord and gets to know him as he is known in the transcendental planet of Braja. And there he is known as the son of Maharaj Nanda. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu then quoted, and he quotes from uh, uh, Shrimad Bhagavatam 10.9.21 The Supreme Personality of Godhead Krishna, the son of Mother Yashoda, is accessible 
to those devotees engaged in spontaneous loving service. But he is not as easily accessible to mental speculators, to those striving for self-realization by severe austerities and penances, or to those who consider the body to be the same as the self. The authorities in Vedic literature, known as Shruti-gana, worshipped Lord Krishna in the ecstasy of the gopis and followed in their footsteps. And <clears throat> the personified authorities on the Vedic kings acquired bodies like those of the gopis and took birth in Rajabhumi. And there you see that Rajunda, Kamadev, he, he is the, uh, uh, the lord of the senses. Even, and of course, um, the original Prajuna is Krishna himself. Uh, but um, uh, for in, in Vaikuntha, the transcendental senses are through his expansion from Narayan, that Prajuna. And in the material world, the expansion of Prajuna is Gavadakshai Vishnu, from whom comes Brahma. And that's where they get the senses. But either way, it is uh, the Lord who provides our spiritual forms. So, it says, the personified authorities of the Vedic kings acquired bodies like those of the gopis and took birth in Rajabhumi. So we pray to Prajuna, we will get some bodies like that. Uh, we don't pray to him for strong senses, for sense gratification, or even to go to Vakunta. We want to go to Rajabhumi, even as a speculator. Lord Krishna belongs to the cowherd community and the gopis are the dear mothers of Krishna. Although the wives of the denizens of the heavenly planets are most popular within the material world, neither they nor any other woman in the material universe can acquire Krishna's association. The goddess of fortune Lakshmi wanted to enjoy Krishna and at the same time retain her spiritual body in the form of Lakshmi. However, she did not follow in the footsteps of the gopis in her worship of Krishna. And therefore we see that the body, just as the body we get in this world, the senses get their particular uh, object, uh, you know, sense object, even on the spiritual platform, that applies. <laughs> if you want, if your object of all your senses is Krishna, you have to have a body suitable for that. And even Lakshmi's body is not. <laughs> and that is all under the range of the Lord. So, Vyasadaya, the supreme authority of Vedic literature, composed the verse beginning, Nayanam Sukhapur Bhagavan, because no one can enter into the Rasa Lila dance in any body other than the bodies of the gopis. Before this explanation is given, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu then the Bhagavad thought that Sri Narayan was, so I'm just about finishing, was the Supreme Personal Authority. Thinking in this way, Venkatabhata believed that worship of Narayan was the supreme form of worship, superior to all other processes of devotional service. For it was followed by the Sri Vaishnava disciples of Ramanujacharya. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had understood this misconception of Venkatabhata, and to correct it, the Lord talked so much in a joking way. The Lord then continued, My dear Venkatabhata, please do not continue doubting. 
Lord Krishna is his supreme personality of Godhead, and this is the conclusion of Vedic literature. Lord Narayan, the opulent form of Krishna, attracts the mind of the goddess of fortune and her followers. Because Krishna has four extraordinary qualities not possessed by Lord Narayan, the goddess of fortune, Lakshmi, always desires his company. You can read the third that one. You have recited uh, this sloka beginning with Siddhanta's Tavariyadi. Uh, that very verse is evidence that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So he, he explains, uh, he quotes 1 to 59 from Bhakti Samhita Sindhu. According to transcendental realization, there is no difference between the forms of Krishna and Narayan, yet in Krishna there is a special transcendental attraction due to the conjugal mellow, and consequently he surpasses Narayan, and that this is the conclusion of transcendental mellows. The Supreme Personality of God, Krishna, attracts the mind of the goddess of fortune, but Lord Narayan cannot attract the minds of the gopis. And this proves the super excellence of Krishna. To say nothing of Lord Narayan personally, Lord Krishna himself appeared as Narayan just to play a joke on the gopis. And although Krishna assumed the forearm form of Narayan, he could not attract the serious attention of the gopis in ecstatic love. Once Lord Sri Krishna playfully manifested himself as Narayan with four victorious hands and a very beautiful form. When the gopis saw this exalted form, however, this ecstatic spiritual, uh, their ecstatic feelings abated. A learned scholar can therefore, uh, therefore can understand the Gopi's ecstatic feelings, which are firmly centered on the original form of Lord Krishna as the son of Nanda Maharaj. The wonderful feelings of the Gopi's in ecstatic paramarasa with Krishna constitute the greatest mystery of spiritual life. Very important point because we understand that because all the avatars forms of the Lord are in fact expansions of Krishna, then we can uh, chant about Lord Nadasimha, Lord Narayan, uh, this uh, in the Bhagavatam here, the Prajuna. But a devotee does that only with their consciousness and with the devotional attitude for attaining Krishna. So it's not wrong to worship. In other words, we should not, uh, you know, otherwise one may think, well, why am I reading this verse from the Bhagavatam? I'm not interested in Krishna. And some people do that. But we're reading this verse from the Bhagavatam that may we attain, you know, that love of the Brajavasis and attain spiritual form in the local Vrindavan. And Lakshmi says, this verse has a potency to, to award that. And, uh, it's filled with spiritual potency. So, <coughs> so we should not, uh, so, and when we worship Bhaktivinoda, the course, you know, he worships Nadashinha to remove obstacles on the path of the pain and pure love in the Buddha and the Brajavasis. So therefore, it's not incorrect. It's not as if we're dropping down a level, what have you. Um, so therefore, we worship shallow grounds in many different forms for the same purpose. 
Um, not that we should imitate the Gopis, oh, you know, they're not interested in the Ryan much or this one or that one, so you know, unless you go to Krishna Shira, I'm not worse than the others. So, um, and of course, that, uh, uh, that previous verse is, all, is, is, is from uh, Lalita Madhava Madhika. Uh, and, uh, oh, that's so, in this way, Lord Chaitanya, I am In this way, Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu deflated the pride of Venkata Bhatta, but just to make him happy again, he spoke as follows. The Lord pacified Venkata Bhatta by saying, actually, whatever I have said is by way of jest. Now you can hear from me the conclusion of the Sastras in which every Vaishnava devotee has firm faith. There is no difference between Lord Krishna and Lord Narayan, for they are the same form. There is no difference that Similarly, there is no difference between the gopis and the goddess of fortune, for they are also of the same form. The goddess of fortune enjoys the association of Krishna through the gopis. One should not make distinctions between the forms of the Lord, for such conceptualizing is offensive. So we see all the forms as Krishna, therefore we never lose our uh, attention from Krishna, no matter which form of the Lord we're worshipping. They're non-different from Krishna. There is no difference between the transcendental forms of the Lord. Different forms are manifest due to different attachments of different devotees. Actually, the Lord is one, but He appears in different forms just to satisfy His devotees. And he quotes from uh, Narada Pancharatra, when the jewel known as Vajurya touches other materials, it appears to be separated into different colors. Consequently, the forms also appear different. Similarly, according to the meditational ecstasy of the devotee, the Lord, who is known as the tutor, infallible, appears in different forms, although he is essentially one. Then Kirabhata then said, I am an ordinary fallen living entity, but you are Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead itself. The transcendental pastimes of the Lord are unfathomable. I do not know anything about them. Whatever you say I accept is true. I have been engaged in the service of Lakshmi Narayan and it is due to their mercy that I have been able to see your lotus feet. Okay. So by these prayers, worshipping Prajuna, pleasing Lakshmi, thus pleasing Narayan, we can attain the lotus feet of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and by attaining the lotus feet of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, we can achieve the yeah, Blessings of the Prabhupada. Out of your causeless mercy, you have told me of the glories of Lord Krishna. So, this is very significant for the whole family of Gopalavada Goswami. They all, uh, by worshipping Lakshmi Narayan, were blessed by Lakshmi Narayan to get the association of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and thus to then become. Devotees, uh, you know, in the Sampada Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, aspiring to attain Raja Goloka Pradhava. So that is a, a very important meditation of Gopalabhava Swami today, his whole family. No one can reach the end of the opulence, qualities, and forms of the Lord. I can now understand.
understand that devotional service unto Krishna is the supreme form of worship. And if your causeless mercy, you have made my life successful simply by explaining the facts. After saying this, Venkata Bhatta fell down before the lotus feet of the Lord, and the Lord, out of his causeless mercy, embraced him. When the period of Chaturmasa was completed, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took permission to leave Venkata Bhatta, and after visiting Sri Ranga, proceeded further towards southern India. Venkata Bhatta did not want to return home, but also wanted to go with the Lord. It was with great endeavour that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu bade him farewell. When he did so, Venkata Bhatta fell down unconscious. Such are the pastimes of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the son of Maji, at Sri Ramgeshwara. Okay, Hare Krishna. Okay. 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 Okay.